1: Bernstein at Homes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Adam Hogg says... Adam Hogue, Bears beat writer for CHGO Sports. What's up, everyone? My name's Adam Hogue. This is the CHGO Bears podcast. We just need to kick Adam Hodge
2: off the show and let him come back on Tuesday.
1: Host of the Hogue and John's podcast. Mark Tressman's face just popped up on my computer, by the way. Adam Hogue. Adam Hogie or Hog? excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. With Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on 670 The Score. Let's talk some Bears with Adam Hogue.
3: He joins us on the score hotline presented by Circus Sports, Illinois. He is on Twitter at Adam Hogue and twitch.tv slash Chicago Six Seventy. to the score. What's happening.
1: Hey guys. How How is uh, everyone doing?
3: We're doing great, man. What, what do you think of how the bears have filled out their staff on the offensive side, actually on both sides of the ball now? Well, what do you think of the hires that they've made?
1: Yeah, I, I, I like the hires in, um, you know, can't pretend to know everything about all these guys obviously and we'll get to know them as they get in the building but um i do know enough about some of these guys uh thomas brown has a connection to wisconsin he spent a year there and obviously i but but more what i like is is the process here so and what i mean by that is you know these are sensible hires and qualified hires so when it comes to shane waldron at the top one of the things i wanted and i think all of us wanted was you know somebody who had play calling experience okay check that box um doesn't change the overall offensive scheme too much obviously there'll be tweaks there's going to be small things like does he like a true fullback or does he like more of that hybrid tight end that could do both track record in seattle is that maybe they don't keep a guy like car blasting him around so there's little intricacies like that that may be different but overall the scheme isn't a drastic change so that helps too now you start talking about, okay, how is he filling out this staff? Well, Thomas Brown, who he was with in L.A. with Sean McVay, guy who interviewed for the OC job, already an OC job, uh, OC, uh, offense coordinator in the league, comes in, and now he's your passing game coordinator, okay? Now you add um Morris, uh, Chad Morris. He's on the staff from Seattle. Same thing with the quarterbacks coach, Kerry Joseph. So these are guys that he knows well that he's bringing in here. And Morris was a running game coordinator already in Seattle. So I don't know if he's going to have that title here in Chicago or not, but he has that experience. So if you think about it and you zoom out, you're like, all right, they just went from having Luke Getze, who had never called plays in the NFL, and Andrew Janoco, a quarterbacks coach who had only done that for one year in Minnesota, to having a qualified OC with play calling experience, a run game coordinator, uh, or possibly a run game coordinator, but somebody who's been a running game coordinator. Uh, establish OC who's gotten head coaching the interviews in the past and Thomas Brown who's your passing game coordinator and we haven't even gotten to the quarterbacks coach yet who does have ties uh, to the OC from the last place he came so it all makes a lot more sense to me and the experience level you gotta like it now if there's one thing that you want to push back on too many cooks in the kitchen this is something we went through with Matt Nagy Matt Nagy went from really not having a, a qualified OC to then all of a sudden bringing in all these guys. And, and John D really Filippo,
3: affect. Remember how excited we were about John D. Filippo?
1: Yep, and Bill Lazor and all that. Now, the one caveat there that I think is huge, it's a big difference, is those were still guys he didn't necessarily know well. They weren't necessarily guys that they had a coaching history together. They were still kind of blending all these philosophies, and they didn't really have an identity. This seems like a coaching staff that knows exactly what their identity is going to be, They're all on the same page in terms of their experience, the offenses they've worked in. Um, And so I do think it should work different, but I also think it's fair to play devil's advocate for a minute and be like, wait a minute, there are some similarities here between what the last coaching staff had to do when they changed after a a couple years.
2: I do think, though, that in this case, like Matt Nagy, when there was a big coaching staff turnover, the discussion was he hired a lot of yes men. Like, he got rid of the people who disagreed with him, and that was something that was widely discussed. And I feel like in this case, it is the experience piece and also just trying to fill the needs they have. What do you think on the defensive side about Eric Washington? We hadn't talked to you since it happened.
1: Yeah, big big fan of this hire um, because – and I was wondering – you know, I thought I thought Flus tipped his hand a little bit in that he didn't just promote somebody midseason. That seemed to be like uh, you know something that would have made a lot of sense. John Hoke, who's you know has a ton of experience in the league, seemed like somebody who could have stepped into that DC role midseason. He already was the passing game coordinator on the defensive side, but the fact that Flus didn't do that told me that he was going to try to hire somebody from the outside. Because if you promote somebody in mid-season, it's kind of hard to take away that title without you know that coach moving on in the off-season. So, you know, Eric Washington, this guy again, we're talking about somebody with experience. Um, you're threading a needle here between finding somebody with experience, but also somebody that didn't necessarily demand that they had to call plays, which I think is if you're hiring Chris Harris from Tennessee. Um, that's somebody that I think you would have had to relinquish play-calling duties to, to get him to come. And I don't think that that would have been a good idea based on what we saw from Matt Eberflus. So not only do you get a qualified coach who who's, you, you know got a ton of experience in this defense that they've run, but also has been in the building before as a coach and on Lovey Smith's staff back in 2010. On top of that, what I also love is he goes and gets different experience under Sean McDermott, too, in a winning organization. So this one really checked off a lot of boxes for me. And perhaps most importantly, he's also a defensive line coach. And if you look at that defense right now and where they still need to take a huge step forward, getting somebody like Eric Washington to work with Jervon Dexter could be huge this offseason. And our colleague here at CHCO, Corey Wooten, uh, I would encourage people to go listen to what he had to say on our emergency podcast on this over the weekend because he played for Washington both at Northwestern and then a few years later when he got drafted by the Bears, um, and he had some just some really good real-life examples of what he did for Corey Wooten um, to make him a better football player.
3: Hoger, I wanted to run something by you that I've been asking all of our people who are around the Bears. Is it possible, and do you think, that the play-calling element for Matt Eberflus went beyond him being able to show off his skills as a play play a play caller but also allowed him to connect with the players in a way that maybe he hadn't done in the first year of being head coach.
1: You know it's possible. Um and and I think that there were hints of him even admitting that in his end of season press conference too. I don't have any problem with the way he came in and tried to be that true CEO type coach in year one. Um, I think that's actually what this organization needed in that moment. And I think that that probably put him in a good position to, you know, understand both the offense, understand the defense, but you know, to his own admission, he's talked about, you know, he wasn't necessarily in the weeds in those defensive meetings. He was spending a lot of time in the offensive meetings. He was spending a lot of time with Justin Fields. Um, And so this sort of forced his hand very suddenly in week two to get back to, you know, his true roots of being in that defensive room, more connecting with those players. Um, And so I think there's some truth to that. And, you know, I think he showed that he's a he could be a pretty good defensive play caller. It wasn't perfect. I mean, obviously the the third down call in Cleveland late in the year was bad, and we had players, we heard from players openly questioning it after the game. But the fact that that didn't turn into like uh, a thing, you know, it seems like the dialogue between him and the defensive players is pretty strong and that they can they can be critical of each other and take it and learn from it. I think that's a a strong quality in a coach. And so, you know, I think there's definitely still some questions about Matt Eberflus, the head coach. But there's very few things I didn't like about Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator last year.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Do you think that the Bears are going to tag Jalen Johnson if for no other reason to buy a little bit of time and or to artificially spur negotiations on a long-term deal?
1: yeah um i think that at a minimum that's 100 percent where this is headed um with the the one caveat being that if the bears just come in and they're like hey look man this guy proved it let's let's make him the highest paid corner let's just get this thing done and move on um then maybe a deal gets done faster than that uh jalen johnson certainly helped himself you can just hear in his hits on on six seven the score how you know that all you know, even his mindset, he went from saying around the trade deadline, I'm not asking to be the highest paid corner in the league to, oh, now all of a sudden I got my hands on the football a lot, got those interceptions, proved all those things I didn't, uh, you know, hadn't proven to that point. And now why, why can't I be the highest paid guy? Now there is one very, very important um aspect to this that does need to be addressed and maybe will be the one hang up if this does head to a franchise tag and they don't come to an agreement and maybe he doesn't end up being the highest paid corner and that's this shoulder issue which was already a thing before he re-injured it late in the year because that was always on the college scouter report and has been something that hasn't necessarily been a major issue i think overall he's been a durable player in the nfl but when he has had issues pop up with you know, availability, it's these shoulders that that still tend to to be somewhat of an issue. And so if the bears are going to sit there and say, Hey, look, you know, we still have this, it popped up again late in the year. We need to, you know, be careful. That could be the one hang up still, but otherwise I think Jalen Johnson earned his money. And I think the bears agree that Jalen Johnson earned his money.
2: I asked this to Brad Spielberger and I'll ask this to you as well. Do you think that because there is a new offensive coordinator, Regardless of the fact that there are years on existing contracts, that the Bears could get a new center.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, no, I and well, Lucas Patrick is a free agent anyway. Um, I, I think Cody Whitehair is out the door. Um, you know, I, I I I I I I expect them to have a new center next year. I think that that's a no-brainer. I've been watching a lot of the Senior Bowl stuff this week. Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon um the, the only problem with him right now is he's too good um, you know he might go he might go middle to late first round at this point and uh unless the bears trade back you know kind of farther back into that range or they get more for a Justin Fields trade than maybe they think right now and they end up with a later first round pick instead of an early second um I don't know that he's going to be reachable but I I personally and I've brought up this comp like there was years before they drafted Eddie Jackson, where I was screaming on Hogan John like every year it seemed like they need to draft a safety, fix the safety position. Cause it really hadn't been solidified since like Mike Brown. There was a huge gap in there where they were bringing in, um, who was that one guy, Merriweather, right? Who was just like um, getting fined every single week. Brandon Merriweather. Yes. Yeah. Right. right, like, Like I'm, how many years did we go through stuff like that? And it was like, just draft a safety, find one of these guys. That's how I feel with the center position right now. Like, okay, maybe it's not as important as offensive tackle on your list of, of positions, but at some point you need to address it. Um, and I, it's it's towards the top of my list of needs for the Bears this offseason.
3: Tell Nicholas to find one while he's down there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, based on his feed, he's he's definitely in love with, his, with the Oregon Center I just mentioned. Um, the they West Virginia guy. He,
3: he's going to – That I, I agree with you. I think he's going to end up being in, in the teens before it's all said and done.
1: Yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's – and what's interesting about him is he's only a one-year guy at center. Um, but he just dominated all year. He's been dominating these practices. Now, I think it's Zach Frazier, the kid out of West Virginia – He's interesting too, but he tore his ACL late in the year. So I, I think he's gonna be ended up being a good player. That might be some value you get, but by getting him later because of that knee injury, but then you know, is he actually gonna be ready to play this year? You don't really know the answer to that right now.
2: Yeah, I just I just need a new center. And I don't know if it's gonna come through free agency or if it's yes. if it's going to come Speak through. Speak it the draft, into existence. But it just I know they love positional flexibility at all, but I need I need positional dedication here. I think that, that makes yeah, a lot I, of sense. It makes too much sense, which is probably why I'm so sad <laughs> talking about it.
1: Hoger, we appreciate you, man.
3: Thanks for being on the show.
1: All right, guys. Yeah, sorry I missed you last week. I was very, very sick. I'm feeling better. Uh I missed you and um hope everyone has a great week.
2: You we feel too. better thanks to you, Adam. It's nice to talk to you. That's also, Adam Hogue. Tell the guys that uh, that, that Senior bull's a gateway drug. That's how we got a backup quarterback, okay?
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?